Hello everybody, Sam here. Just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast and the ICU Facebook page, we could really use your support. Every share and positive review helps us out enormously. But you can go even further than that, if you like, by signing up to our Patreon. You can join Club ISY from just £2 plus VAT a month, and in return, you'll get early access to every single story and podcast. And you can even earn exclusive content like compilation episodes and ICU stories that you won't find anywhere else. And if you don't fancy paying monthly, you can now sign up on an annual basis and save 10% on the cost of your subscription. Your support is the only thing keeping this endeavour going, so if you're enjoying the page and show, do please consider signing up at patreon.com slash stories. As always, I'm eternally grateful for all of your support, and I hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Both the Prime Minister and the EU say a trade deal is unlikely to be reached by this Sunday's deadline, while Nigel Farage has been rushed to hospital after wanking himself into a coma. The White House is to be thoroughly disinfected before the President-elect moves into it in January, and Joe Biden will also be paying a dry cleaner to get all the Russian piss out of the presidential bed linen. The Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority has decided not to award MPs a planned pay rise next year, on the grounds that by 2021, Britain will be a cashless society fighting over rat meat and rusty tins of rainwater. And finally, Sky News presenter Kay Burley accidentally breaks Covid rules by using a restaurant toilet and will be taken off air for six months, after what might just be the most expensive Chianti shit she's ever had. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to another episode of IC News. You've probably tuned in because we promised you the easiest satirical podcast in history, full of oven-ready hilarity that just needs popping in the microwave of your ears. Unfortunately, it turns out that after months of negotiations, what you're actually going to be getting instead is a great big steaming pile of shit. Oops, our bad. Keep voting for us, though, otherwise it's Marxism. That's right, we still don't have a truly definitive answer to the eternal question of what the actual flying fuck the entire UK economy is going to need to adjust to in just a couple of weeks. This week, Boris Johnson flew to Brussels and actually showed a remarkable amount of restraint by spending several hours in a room with a blonde woman without trying to shag her. Unfortunately, Ursula von der Leyen was far from charmed by the Prime Minister's bluster, and at this point, significant and irreconcilable gaps remain between the UK and EU's demands for our future trading relationship. The final, 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 final deadline for the talks now appears to be Sunday night, but without some truly drastic last-minute concessions from either side, no deal now appears all but inevitable. As an outcome, no deal is about as far from what the Conservatives promised in the run-up to the last election as it would be possible to get – But could this be just yet more brinkmanship from a Prime Minister planning to pivot at the last second? Or is it what Boris Johnson and his Brexit ultras were truly after all along? And could No Deal somehow do what it did for Noel Edmonds, and redeem the career of a man who's definitely killed at least two people? To the untrained eye of a spineless, unpatriotic Remainer like me, it almost looks like a massive dent to the UK's economy and global standing isn't worth all the nebulous sovereignty – 
I'd even go so far to say that failing to negotiate the easiest deal in history doesn't exactly bode well for all the much trickier ones we're likely to face moving forwards. But it's important to hear both sides of the debate, so here to defend the potential collapse of the UK's negotiations with the EU is our resident Conservative correspondent, the nauseatingly deferential Sebastian Forlock. Thank you, Sam. As ever, I'm humbled and prostrate before your benevolence in granting my conservative voice a place on the network's platform. It's more important than ever that the people out there hear the truth rather than the distorted Remain narrative that most media outlets spout without question. It's so tiring hearing the constant negativity when we're just about to turn a glorious corner on the path towards the sunlit uplands. Britain's future is looking brighter by the day, but if you only listened to the naysayers and traitors, you'd think Brexit was heading for a disaster. Nothing could be further from the truth. I put all my faith in the statesmanship and political nous of Boris Johnson a long time ago, and unlike the hysterical left, I am not remotely worried about the current state of our trade negotiations with the EU. There's still plenty of time for businesses to adapt to the end of the transition period. Rome may not have been built in a day, but Rome's a rubbish little European city anyway. Britain's bright and glorious future can surely be built in 14 or so. That's a whole two weeks. Give or take the entire holiday period, that is. We've always known that these negotiations would go down to the wire. Boris said as much before the election. That's what oven ready means, isn't it? You don't take a chlorinated chicken out of the oven early. That's how the economy gets salmonella. I've got absolutely full confidence that we'll see out of the weekend with a full and comprehensive trade deal in place, and one that protects our great nation's sovereignty at that. All it takes is a bit of ruthless sabre-rattling and a willingness to stick relentlessly to your guns. If recent history has taught us anything, Boris Johnson has proven that he's a man who never U-turns. The EU will blink first, just you wait and see. Sebastian, we need to talk. Darling, pop it, love of my life. Could it wait a few minutes? I'm, I'm just recording something for work. No, Sebastian, it can't. You need to hear this. I'm leaving you. What on earth do you mean, my love? I mean it. I just can't do this anymore. I can't keep watching you humiliate yourself like this. It breaks my heart. Miriam, darling, I honestly don't know what you're talking about. I'm not about. a fool, Sebastian. I know what you are and I know what you like. And I've never judged you. Even if you've never, not once, respected me enough to come to me with any of it. I loved you, you know. I might have struggled with some of it, but I could have tried. Miriam, I promise I've... No Let idea me finish, what you... Sebastian. You owe me that much. 
for all the times I said nothing, not even when you came home from your nights working late at Dominic Cummings' house, with your burned nipples or your swollen testicles or smelling like a rancid sewer, your shirt stained some awful colour. All those nights and days away, the trips to Barnard Castle, everything they did to you, everything you let them do to you, through all of it, I stood by you. My love, I please. held your hand in the hospital, Sebastian, after they spent three hours in surgery repairing your anus. A doctor took me to one side, you know. She told me they found horse semen inside you. These people don't respect you. They don't care for you. And you keep crawling back to them and humiliating yourself. You don't understand, Miriam. It'll be worth it, you'll see. If we can just see this through, if the... Bloody Remainers will just let oh, us... Oh, enough! That's enough, you bloody fool! They won the referendum, Sebastian. They won two bloody elections. They sabotaged their own leader and then voted in someone even worse. They've led the negotiations, the bloody preparations. They've held responsibility for all of it. All of it! And at what point do you just say, Enough! I've been lied to enough. I've been shit on enough. My testicles have been chewed enough. I've been fucked by a giant horse enough. (laughs) I'm going to my sisters in the Cotswolds. Goodbye, Sebastian. Whatever it is you're looking for with these conservative bastards, I hope you find it. Before it bloody well kills you. I hope you find it, but I will not stay here and watch you suffer their indignities anymore. Goodbye. <laughs> Chelsea. They'll all, they'll all see it. It will be worth it. Supplements. <laughs> A bright, glorious future free of the yoke of bureaucracy. It will all come good in the end. Reporting for IC News. The news has been a relentless, depressing game of Pong between the twin paddles of Brexit and coronavirus for months now. And here at IC News, we see absolutely no reason to piss into that winning formula. Before the total incompetence of the UK government once again loomed over and overshadowed them, the UK was afforded a few more tiny glimmers of optimism in the fight against the pandemic this week. We saw the first patients in the world vaccinated against COVID-19 right here in Old Blighty. That was quickly followed by the news that two NHS staff with established histories of severe allergies had suffered adverse reactions to the jab. They're thankfully now doing fine. But as a story, it was quickly pounced upon by anti-vax conspiracy theorists. This week, our perpetually disposable correspondent Rob Mulholland has been given the keys to the dimensional gate, and he's been seeking to allay some of the fears over the safety of these new vaccines. 
Thanks, Sam. I'm Rob21, the latest interdimensional proxy for the network's original Rob Mulholland. I'm from Earth Bravo Optimist Glee, but without all the real-life tragedies 33. And back on my home planet, we bloody love a bit of good news. It's a much more positive way to live your life. On 9-11 in my reality, all the news showed on a constant loop after the first plane hit was that video of a baby panda sneezing. <laughs> the way his mum jumps out of her skin. It's just adorable. <sighs> Never forget. It's that sense of positivity, a desire to see the best in everything, that left me overjoyed to be asked to cover this story for the network. Much of the multiverse has had a pretty rotten time with the coronavirus pandemic with the obvious exception of all the vegan realities that don't run wet markets. But I've avoided those because even my upbeat demeanour and general joy de vivre can't mask the stink of seven billion kale-powered farts. We get it, guys. You were right. That doesn't change the fact that your Covid-free utopia absolutely fucking stinks. The rest of the multiverse, with our mutual love of deep-fried bat kebabs and medium-rare pangolin burgers, have just had to soldier on with the pandemic. It's been grim everywhere, but back on Earth Prime this week, we took the first step towards truly turning the corner of this crisis. The first patients to receive Pfizer's new vaccine did so to rapturous headlines from an ecstatic press. 90-year-old women getting pricked with a needle hasn't been front-page news since Harold Shipman, and this time it's for a far less horrific reason. If we want to see an end to social distancing and a return to life as normal, the best way to achieve it is through a successful and comprehensive mass vaccination programme. It's important to get the message out there that despite a lot of the hysteria on social media, properly regulated and medically approved vaccines are never going to be as dangerous as Covid itself. To that end, I've come here to Earth Delta Charlie Windows 95 in an attempt to show that the wild conspiracy theories are really nothing to worry about. On this Earth, Bill Gates isn't just one of the richest men in the world. He was also elected president back in 2016 and he's just won re-election on a platform of mass vaccination. One that Microsoft itself has developed alongside Big Pharma. I can't imagine a more terrifying set of circumstances for your average Facebook medical expert. That's why I'm here with Margaret, 90 years young and the first woman on the planet to receive the Bill Gates vaccine. How are you feeling, Margaret? Oh, I can't wait, Robert. I've not been able to swing for months now. I'm worried it's dried up. Good for you, Margaret. We'll get those pricks back inside you any day now. Speaking of which, here comes one now. And there we have it. That looked pretty painless. How are you feeling? Much the same, to be honest. It's just a needle, isn't it? I'm not afraid of medical science. Not at my age. That's the spirit, Margaret. And I think we can all agree that, given the alternative, I mean, um, hang on, um, are her eyes supposed to glow red like that? Well, what are you talking about, dear? Nothing, Margaret. Don't worry. Please. Maybe it's just a trick of the light. You look radiant. Oh, what the hell? Uh, Margaret, what are you doing? You look like you're writing a letter. Would you like some help with that? What the fuck? No! How are you so strong? You look like you're writing a letter. Margaret, I, I can't... I can't breathe. Would you like I'm, some help with that? I'm not sure this was the best world to illustrate my point. You look like you're writing a letter. Would you like some help with that? I'd like some help with not... Dying, you glitching old cunt! Oh, I'm Rob21, reporting. 
Would you like I some help with Whether we're debating Brexit or the effectiveness of the government's coronavirus response, the one truth that's utterly undeniable about life in Britain at the moment is that we are a nation divided along deep ideological lines. Our fractious political atmosphere has seen a number of culture war crusaders rise to defend the good names of free speech and robust debate. Concerns over political correctness and cancel culture regularly send Britain's newspapers into an apoplectic spasm, with many commentators vocally objecting to what they see as an effort to culturally sanitise academic debate in Britain's universities. A vote on free speech at Cambridge University this week appeared to upend that narrative, after guidelines requiring opinions to be respectful were firmly rejected, after academics warned they could limit freedom of expression. Here to discuss free speech is the biggest advocate for it that we've got here at the network, our resident conspiracy theorist, Danny Sutcliffe. Hiya, pal! Thanks for having me on this great and glorious day. This is a resounding victory over the overly PC handringers and no mistake. Free speech for everyone. Fuck you, cancel culture. Common sense is back, baby. Pew, pew. Finger guns. Finger guns? Finger guns. This one's loaded with a willful misinterpretation of peer-reviewed medical evidence. And this one's full of your average garden variety transphobia. And I can fire him again at will. Pew, 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 pew. Danny. Oh, what's the matter, wickle baby boo-boo? Are we getting all offended? Cry me a river of those liberal says, you posse. I want to paddle my kayak of truth up it so I can jam me all right in your snowflake tear duct. No, Danny, I'm not offended in the slightest. That's exactly what a butthurt little Antifa commie would say, though, isn't it? Well, why don't you screenshot me comments and send them to me boss, pal? Because cancel culture's over now and he won't give a fuck. You do realise that in this professional capacity, I am your boss, right? Oh. I, uh, hadn't thought about that, to be honest. Should we just start again? Yeah, all right. Hang on, I'll just holster me finger guns. What do you mean, holster your finger? There we go. Remind me to oil those later, will you? The transphobia one tends to jam a lot. Let's just focus on the actual story here, shall we? You mean Common Sense's great victory in the culture war, I take it? Well, actually, the story, if you can even call it that, is really just a fairly dry academic disagreement between the faculty of one university. And the end result of the disagreement was basically Cambridge's reaffirmation of its commitment to free speech, rather than any kind of return to it. The fact it's even in the news at all is, frankly, proof that the media's obsession with the culture war continues to rage on. Actually, you're wrong there, pal. That's not what I've read. Well, I wouldn't want to no-platform you, Danny. By all means, correct me if you feel it's necessary. Well, I read that under the new Cambridge laws, free speech is now enshrined in the British Constitution. That's the Magnum Carter, pal. From now on, the right to offend is protected under the Freeman Statute of 1066. Right. What do you think of that then, pal? I think it's almost impressive just how completely wrong everything you just said was. Oh, you know what? Fuck this. I'm sick and tired of you not affording my views the proper respect. But, Danny, that's exactly what this little academic spat was about. 
It resulted in the rejection of proposed guidelines requiring opinions from guest speakers to be respectful. That got reworded instead to a commitment to show tolerance towards debate, regardless of how controversial the speakers might be. Funnily enough, true free speech includes the right to criticise and even ridicule speakers espousing ludicrous views. I know you want me to play the part of the cringing liberal here, but I actually think this ruling was a decent common-sense decision. Well, now I'm really fucking confused. Look, am I allowed me transphobic finger guns or not? I can't even begin to pretend to understand what that means, but I'm going to hedge my bets and say I don't recommend it. Your right to free speech doesn't equate to freedom from consequences, and it never has. Anyway, since when have you ever been transphobic? I'm not really, to be honest. I just thought if I put it in me Twitter bio, I could maybe get J.K. Rowling to PayPal me a tenner. How'd that work out? Terribly, to be honest. Graham Linehan won't stop emailing me. You could just block him, you know. You know what? I might... Would that be cancel culture? No, Danny. Your personal decision to put one arsehole on mute so you can go about your day is not cancel culture. No matter how much Lawrence Fox thinks it might be. Right. It's confusing, this stuff, isn't it? I'm Danny Sutcliffe, reporting for IC News. Pew pew! Now... Bizarre exchange brings us to the end of our broadcast. If you're listening to this after Sunday night, I hope you're hoarding an ample supply of brie, and we'll see you again next week to dissect just what the fuck has happened to this country. Until then, we leave you now with the stories you may have missed. Former Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull warns the UK to be careful what you wish for with regards to trading with the EU on WTO terms. But what does he know? Australia does a tiny percentage of trade with the EU compared to us, and oh god, we are so fucked. Secondary school pupils in Kent, London and Essex are to be offered mass Covid testing in what may well turn out to be the only positive test experience teenagers have this year. Labour's Kate Green makes headlines after calling for honours titles referring to the British Empire to be rebranded, just in case you'd been wondering about Labour's priorities in opposition recently. And finally, Harrison Ford is to return to the role of Indiana Jones for a fifth and final instalment, in which the 78-year-old hero goes on his boldest adventure yet, in search of enough blue pills to make the romantic subplot believable. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support can we reach more people and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.